morning, Cornerstone. Uh, my name is Matthew, and I'll be doing the scripture reading for today, which comes from Genesis chapter 45, the whole chapter. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the house of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph came to his brothers and said, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been laid in the land these two years, and there will be yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this. Load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your household, and come to me. And I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat of the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, Do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. The sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them he gave them a change of clothes, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. To his father he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they said to him, Joseph is still alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb, for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. The word of the Lord. Uh, good afternoon now. Uh, it was good morning when Matt started reading. Um, hey, uh, my name is Nathan. Uh, many of you probably recognize me 
from leading worship, but I have the privilege to be able to speak to you today out of Genesis. So this is actually our last segment uh, from the book of Genesis. We've been going through a whole series through the book, um, and it's, again, my privilege to be able to speak and wrap up our series today. Um, so one of the things I love are stories. Many of us love stories, whether it be TV or movies or books, we love stories. One of uh, the things that I love are adventure stories, whether they're uh, sci-fi or fantasy. I love a good adventure story. And one of the things that's really common about adventure stories is what's called uh, the hero's journey. Um, oh, am I supposed to use this? Uh, does this work? Does this work? Okay, on switch, on the side. Oh yeah, okay, here we go. All right, the hero's journey. Um, so if you're familiar with this, you'll know what I'm talking about, but it's this kind of this framework that a lot of stories are structured behind. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, a main character, uh, somebody like Harry Potter or Bilbo, ba or Bilbo or Frodo Baggins or Luke Skywalker. A lot of them start off with this story and they leave their homes and they go through this whole trial and you know, there's actually a lot of things that mirror what, uh, what happens in, in scripture a lot of times as well. Um, and it, it's a cycle where at the end of the cycle, uh, the hero comes back to where he kind of started, uh, but he has all this experience, he has this growth and all this that happens during this journey. Um, and in, in some ways, uh, this is very similar to what we, uh, what I call God's redemptive story, or something uh, similar to what the gospel narrative is like. Uh, and I think that's why the people gravitate towards the hero's journey, is because it's very similar to what Christ does in our own lives. And there is this, uh, similar to the, to the hero's journey, is this redemptive story that we see time and time again throughout scripture. And I think that Joseph's story, especially here in Genesis 45, is one of those stories where we can see this reoccurring theme and structure in the story. Uh, so before I go on any further, let me just pray for us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this morning and this afternoon that we can come together to be able to hear your word, to be able to fellowship together, uh, and be able to um, just worship you, Lord. So we thank you, and we pray that we continue to be able to be a blessing to you, and I pray that you be able to speak through me, uh, your humble servant, Lord be able to bless uh, Cornerstone and maybe beyond. Uh, so we thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so one of the things, uh, so we're going to be talking about kind of God's provision and God's redeeming love. Uh, but before we get into our passage, uh, I need to kind of catch us up, do a little bit of uh, what happened last time in Genesis. Because last week, Jeff preached, uh, Pastor Jeff preached on Genesis 39 so we left off our story with Joseph being in prison because he was falsely accused of uh, uh, seducing Potiphar's wife, right? So that's kind of where we left off. He was in prison. Uh, so I'm going to kind of breeze through a few things that happened because uh, a lot has happened between then and, and, and where we are in 45. So he's in, Joseph is in prison, and long story short, he interprets a bunch of dreams, uh, some of the prisoners, and eventually interprets uh, Pharaoh's dream, um, who is Egypt's king, right? Uh, so the interpretation, I'm not going to go into exactly what the dream was, but 
at the end of the day, the interpretation that Joseph gives is that Egypt is going to experience seven years of plentiful harvest, followed by seven years of great famine. So nobody else can interpret Pharaoh's dream. And so when Pharaoh heard this from Joseph, he was really pleased and actually not only brought Joseph out of prison, but he gave him a very high position of authority and um, influence. So he was essentially ruler over all of Egypt except for Pharaoh himself. Uh, So he had a lot of power, a lot of authority. Um, So they're getting ready for this famine during these years of abundance and they're storing up food, getting ready. So now it's two years into the famine. So I guess that's nine years later. Um, he, Joseph's brothers are basically, uh, Joseph's family is essentially starving. And they're like, we need to go get food from somewhere. And Egypt has a lot of food because Joseph prepared them for the famine. So they go and they actually meet Joseph, but they don't j- recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. And he kind of tests them and plays with them a little bit. Uh, but he gets to a point where he's ready to reveal who he is to his brothers. Uh, and if we also remember, Joseph, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. Um, so that's actually really important. So I'll put a pin in that. Um, it's really important to know that, you know, they basically greatly sinned against Joseph, who is now in, incredible, uh, in a position of incredible power. So that's kind of leading us right into Genesis 45. Um, so I think that there are five things that I observe uh, as part of kind of the narrative of this passage. And so there's five things. The first thing is that Joseph loves his brothers. Joseph loved his brothers. Uh, in verse 9, uh, I'm not putting it on the screen so you can follow along or just listen. That's fine. Uh, verse 9, Joseph says, hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me. You and you and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have uh, do not come to poverty. So I think this is a great example of unconditional love. Um, unconditional love is love that does not have conditions, obviously. Um, so it's not dependent on what the brothers have done, whether it be good or bad. Uh, and Joseph really had almost every excuse to hate his brothers. They sold him into slavery, ruined his life, but he didn't allow that to impact how he behaved, uh, how he treated his brothers. Um, and he actually put away his anger, his suffering that his brothers uh, put him through in order for him to love and care for his family, and his, uh, especially his brothers. And I think, uh, and obviously I'm not a mother, I don't even have kids yet, but I think there are very few things that equal the love a mother has for their child. Um, I, if you ever talk to, if you have kids yourself or have talked to anybody who has had kids, they will tell you, especially the first few weeks of, of having a newborn, is absolutely terrible. Uh, I got a chance to be with my sister when she had my niece. Uh, my niece, Adelaide, she was the first one in her generation. And my sister is generally, I see her as a pretty strong, independent woman. Uh, but my niece, like, totally broke her. Um, she was just exhausted. And, you know, they don't tell you about this, but uh, she was eating every, like, hour and a half to two hours. But what they don't tell you is that it takes, like, an hour and a half 
like an hour to an hour and a half sometimes to just feed them. So almost as soon as you're done feeding them, you got to start feeding them again, which means that you're basically never sleeping for like days or weeks. Um, and I've hear, heard mothers describe taking care of their newborn as literally and figuratively sucking the life out of you. Um, but they always say it's worth it because they love their children. And I think this love is similar to what Joseph displays for his brothers because it was only unconditional love that would allow him to be able to overcome his hatred and his um, and anger towards his brothers and love them instead. So that's our first point is that Joseph loved his brothers. The second thing I see is that Joseph was sent by God to Egypt to provide for his family. Uh, verse 5 says, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. This is Joseph speaking. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. And God has a plan for us. I think most of us who have been following Christ for a while uh, know this. God has a plan for us, uh, but oftentimes we have our own plan. And when things don't go according to our own plan, we blame God. We blame God because we don't want to blame ourselves. But when things do go well, when do things go the way that we want them to, a lot of times we take the credit instead of giving God the credit. In Joseph's story, we kind of see both of these things, but in reverse. Joseph obviously didn't plan for him to be sold into slavery or put into prison, but he trusted the Lord and knew that he had a good plan. In the same way, he didn't take credit for his rise to power, but he gave credit to God's plan. And he understood that the whole purpose was for him to provide for his family and for his brothers who betrayed him. Uh, I would even say COVID-19 was something that I would say none of us planned for. Uh, none of us, even if you kind of saw it coming, probably wasn't to the degree that you saw. But God still has allowed good things to come out of our time in the pandemic. Uh, I work for Crew. If you don't know, it's a Christian organization, so I do a lot of college ministry at Rutgers University here, right here in New Brunswick, as well as a few other schools around the state of New Jersey. Uh, and we've had more students coming out uh, in the last few months than we've had for months and years prior to the pandemic. Uh, part of it has to do with possibly people being isolated for a really long time and just wanting community. We've also experienced an unusually high number of people that want to have, ha want to or are willing to have spiritual conversations and maybe are even willing to hear the gospel. Even here at Cornerstone, uh, some of us, uh, whether we're here in person or online, uh, may not be attending the church or attending one of our life groups if it wasn't for the pandemic. Um, God has a greater plan than anything that you or I can even plan or even understand. So that is important for us to understand that even the hard things that we go through, God has a purpose. Uh, and in this sense, Joseph was sent by God to go to Egypt to provide for his family. So the third thing I see is that Joseph 
provided in abundance. Uh, Joseph provides in abundance. Uh, verse 20 says, have no concern, this is uh, Pharaoh speaking actually, have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Uh, and then the next verse it says, the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them, he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. To his father, he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey. So Joseph not only provided for his family, for his brothers and his father and his relatives, but he provided in great abundance. And maybe Joseph is the kind of guy who his love language might have been gift giving, uh, if you're kind of into the love language stuff. I'm not sure, obviously, I don't know. But, uh, you know, just seeing how he gives abundantly to his family makes me think that he loves on them by providing for them. And whenever I think about somebody who gives in abundance, I think about my mom. Uh, if you know my mom, she gives everything in, a, in abundance. Uh, so two quick stories. One is uh, my sister and her family were visiting. This is when I was still living with my parents. Uh, so there were five adults and two kids, which basically didn't count. But we were, uh, no, we, I'm talking about lunch. Um, so the kids don't really eat that much. So we were thinking about what do we eat? Uh, basically five adults, and we wanted to get Popeyes. Uh, my family loves Popeyes. So my sister looks at the menu and she says, I think the eight-piece family meal should be enough. So then I look at it and I'm like, no, I think we need to get at least 12. And then I asked my mom and she's like, no, we need to get 16 pieces for five people. Um, so my sister wanted enough for us to be all satisfied. I wanted enough for us to all be full. And my mom wanted us to not only be full, but have a ton of leftovers as well. Uh, and I looked it up real quick. It also the 16-piece also comes with three large sides and eight biscuits, which is a lot uh, for just five people to eat. But of course, my mom being her, she refused to get any less. So we ended up getting the 16. Um, another thing was uh, Halloween was this past weekend, whether you celebrate that or give out candy. Uh, that's up to you, but uh, my family loves Halloween because we love giving out candy. Uh, and my mom started this tradition of giving out full-size candy bars, and we are that house. Uh, all the kids will come, and, and they know our house, and they all make a special trip. Uh, and my mom actually, my parents actually ran out of candy, so they turned off all the lights. They were like, we literally have nothing left to give these kids. But kids would still ring the doorbell because they knew that my parents gave out full-size candy bars. So they were like desperately trying to see if they still had any. So just as my mom gives out a lot during Halloween and when we go to Popeyes, Jake, uh, Joseph was also a person who gave in an abundance. Um, so that was our third point. Uh, our fifth one is actually about Jacob. Jacob, who is Joseph's father. Jacob believed when he saw Joseph's fruit. Uh, when I'm being fruit, I mean the, the labor, the fruit of his labor. Uh, in verse 25, it says, So they went out, up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb, for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, 
the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel, Jacob, said, it is enough. Uh, Joseph, my son, is still alive, and I will go and see him before I die. So a lot of times when we hear about something that is maybe unbelievable, the first thing that we want to do is we want to find proof. We want to be shown proof. We want a document or a video, especially with, you know, in, the, in the age of cell phones. Uh, we all have cameras that we carry around all the time. So um, a lot of times we want proof that something exists before we can believe. And that has held true throughout time. And Jacob needed to understand and see proof that Joseph was alive. I, I, I'm re reminded of a friend that I joined staff with when I joined staff with Crew. His name is E.B. Uh, that's actually a, a shortened version of his name. I'm not going to lie. I don't remember his full name. Uh, but it's a Mongolian name because he's from Mongolia. He grew up in a very rural, small village in uh, central Mongolia. And, but he left that village eventually because uh, he was really athletic and he actually played professional basketball in Japan uh, and is now on staff with crew working with Athletes in Action, which is a crew ministry uh, that does sports ministry as well as care for uh, athletes in college and in other capacities as well, uh, even on the professional level. So the way that EB came to Christ was through uh, another crew ministry called the Jesus Film Project. Uh, and if you've never heard of the Jesus Film Project, it's a pretty cool uh, project. It's, uh, the Jesus Film is an, it's, it's a super old movie, but it's a movie depiction of what, I think it's the Gospel of Mark. Uh, is it Luke? Okay, yeah, it was, it was one of those, right? So uh, it's, a, it's a movie depiction of the Gospel of Luke, and it, is, it holds a record for the most trans, uh, the movie that is translated into the most languages. Uh, as of two years ago, it was dubbed into 1,724 different languages. And this ministry, all they do is they go to different countries, different villages, and learn the local language, enough for them to translate the movie and then dub it in the mother tongue of the people there, which takes oftentimes many years for that to happen. Um, so when E.B., when these people showed up in his village in Mongolia, he saw these Americans who left their comfortable lives to come do all this work just to show them this movie. And there was something special about that because he knew nobody goes through that amount of work for nothing. It must be something important. And that's what softened his heart and allowed him to receive Jesus even at a young age. And now he's serving as a full-time minister uh, to other athletes uh, as he was before. So he thought that there was something different about these Christians. He saw the fruit of their labor through all the time and the effort that they did uh, just to bring him this movie and for him to understand it in his own language. And in the same way, Jacob had to understand and see Joseph's fruit in order to believe that he was truly still alive. So again, Joseph loved his brothers. He was sent by God to Egypt. He provided in abundance, and Jacob believed when he saw Joseph's fruit. And lastly, Israel's story continued in Egypt. Uh, I'm getting a little bit outside of the passage with this point, uh, but in chapter 46, just our next chapter, it says that there were 70 men who entered Egypt from Canaan uh, with 
uh, Israel, with, with, the, with the nation of Israel. Uh, so it's just 70 men, so there's actually probably at least double that if we include women and children. And if we fast forward uh, to the beginning of Numbers, so we kind of skip over Exodus, but when they leave Egypt uh, with Moses, the number of men that they counted is 603,550 men. Uh, in just about 430 years, uh, Israel had an a population increase of 8,622% uh, 8, increase. So that's, uh, you know, that's a lot. Uh, 86, over 86 times more people in just 430 years. So God allowed Israel to be very fruitful. But they also face a lot of hardship. If you know your story of Exodus and Moses, you know that Israel was eventually enslaved by the Egyptians even though they originally came in as their guests and was provided for plentifully. And I think that is very true of many of our stories, is that when we finish a chapter in our lives, that's not the end of our lives, but it's rather just moving on to the next thing. And in those next chapters of our lives, and the same thing for Israel, they face hardships, they face challenges, and they're called to faithfulness. Because faithfulness is not something that we... See, we don't experience faithfulness, we aren't faithful, and then that's the end of the story. It's a continued process of challenge and growth throughout the rest of our lives. So these are kind of five things that I saw in the story and the narrative of Joseph. But I think what is interesting is, as I mentioned before, this reoccurring theme of God's redemptive love and his redemptive story. And I see a lot of parallels between Joseph's story here in Genesis 45 with that of Jesus' story in the gospel. So when we think about Jesus, as Joseph uh, loved his brothers, God also loves us. And when I talk about us, I don't mean just us in this room or online, but us as humanity. And it was only uh, through his love that he can sacrifice and continue to love us despite our sin, despite our separation from him, God continues to love his creation. God also sends his son Jesus to die for our sins, just as Jesus was sent, uh, Joseph was sent to Egypt. Jesus suffered and died on our behalf, just the same way that Joseph suffered and provided for his family. Thirdly, jo as Joseph provided in abundance, Jesus sufficiently is abundant for us. All that we have pales in comparison to what Jesus has done for us. Uh, um, Pharaoh even says, uh, I lost it in my notes, have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. And in the same way, we should have no concern over the things that we try to fill our lives with. We try to fill our lives with like I said before, movies, TV, um, money, maybe it might be a career, different things that we try to find fulfillment with pale in comparison to the fulfillment that we have in Christ. Just as Joseph, uh, Jacob believed when he saw Joseph's fruit, many of us believe when we see the fruit of other believers. A lot of times when we come to Christ, a lot of times we don't just hear the gospel and that's it. 
we need to see the fruit of why we should believe in those around us. And it's our actions and our words uh, that can impact those around us and help people understand and believe in the gospel and the truth of Jesus being our Lord and Savior. And just as Israel's story continued in Egypt, our, continue, our stories continue in our new life with Christ. Just as God calls Egypt to be faithful, God calls each of us to be faithful. And it's not a one-time decision or a one-time thing. It is something that we continue to do to trust in the Lord, to be able to follow him, and be able to trust him in the challenges and both the good and the bad times in our lives. So what does this have to do with us? How does this actually change us as a people today? Well, I think that there are two things that I think we can respond with. The first one is that we must remember what God has done. We must remember what God has done. How he had redeemed Joseph's brothers through Joseph himself. How he had redeemed us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how this recurring story of God's redeeming love plays out, has played out in the past, is playing out in our current and is going to play out in our future. So we must remember what God has done, is doing, and what he will do. Secondly, as a response to that, we must also tell people of the good news of the gospel to others. In verse 12 of Genesis uh, 45, it says, uh, Joseph speaking, And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt, and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. There is an urgency that Joseph has to tell his father that he's still alive and that he wants to love and provide for his family. And in the same way, we as believers must understand that there is an urgent call for us to share the love of God with those around us. So who is God putting in your heart to share the love of Christ with today? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Joseph's story, for his story of great compassion and love, for provision and abundance, Lord. And we thank you for all that you've done for us, uh, both in the past uh, and as you provide for us in the present and in the future, Lord. We know that you have a great plan for each of us, uh, and there might be hardships that face us, Lord, in the future and even maybe right now, but we know that you have a great plan, and that you provide for us all the things that we need to overcome it in your name. And I pray that you allow us to speak boldly and share boldly about the love that you have shown us and the salvation that you bring in your, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So we thank you, and we pray that you continue to bless us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.